Alrighty, it has been a minute since I've been back on the podcast. I know, I know, I know, but I'm back, I'm refreshed. After taking some time to work on my mental health and just sort of recenter myself in my life, I'm ready to put myself back into the podcast, especially since it's summer. Now, I am a college student, I do have things going on, and I'm also in search of a co-host for the Y'all Need Jesus podcast, but... This episode, I'm so excited because it's the first episode I'm doing by myself. That's right. And I'm a little nervous. I've always had somebody with me, even, you know, groups of people. So buckle in, bitches. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to be here by myself. I mean, yeah, I'm nervous, but I really think that this could be a really interesting episode because... I have ADHD and it's pretty hard to keep myself, you know, in a pattern, keep it flowing, you know, not get stuck on one subject too long. But I decided that today is going to be a Q&A day and I went on Instagram and I put up, you know, a little thing saying, hey, I'm doing a podcast episode, send in your questions. And I just happened to go on Anchor to start, you know, laying out the groundwork for this episode. And I see that I have listener submissions, which I am so grateful to anybody who took the time to send their send them in. And there's actually a couple here, and you know, I just thank you. The first one comes from Abby from Idaho. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? The best advice I've ever gotten would probably come from my grandma. And for anybody who doesn't know, my grandma's my person. My grandma is my best friend. I tell her not everything because, like, my grandma, you know, some things she doesn't want to know. And I I respect that because I'm not trying to have her beat my ass. Um, But I tell her, you know, the most important stuff, a lot of stuff that I don't tell anybody else. And she's who I go to when I'm having a good time. So, you know, not a good time. Damn. A really bad time. So I get lots of good advice from her. And I really want to say that she says two things a lot. Number one, she always says the best advice is hardest to hear. And maybe when it's not the easiest to hear, that's a signal that it's really good advice. The second would probably be, she likes to say this a lot, when people show you who they are, believe them. And yeah, my grandma is just the best person on the word, just the ugh, English today. My grandma's the best person in the world. Um, Sweet Kentucky lady, just all around best. And you know, we don't agree on everything. But that's fine. We don't have to. And if you ever get the chance to meet my grandma, which I don't know why you would, um, unless you like live in Frankfort, Kentucky. But um, you know, just she's amazing, and just I have, uh, I can't have this whole episode be about my grandma. Matthew, keep it on track. Okay, so that's enough of that because I will. Uh, I look for any excuse to talk about my grandma. Wonderful, awesome, beautiful lady. Okay, so question number two comes from Trenton from Colorado. And he asks, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, I'd have to say that seeing my great aunt naked would probably, probably comes close to taking the cake. Um, we were visiting her, this is my mom's aunt. Um, we were visiting her at the time and she had this gray, African gray parrot thing. It hated men. I don't know why. I don't really remember. I wasn't like too terribly young, but I just, I think I've blocked this out of my mind, the whole thing. Um, So I think the bird had bitten me and I was looking for my dad and I walk upstairs and there's obviously like the door to her bedroom and she was coming out of the shower and 
I'm just like looking for my dad and I look over and there's my naked great aunt and it was just a traumatizing experience and oh god sorry I just started thinking oh the mental image Carolina asks what is the worst job you've ever had and why um I've had I've had a couple of sucky jobs. Um, you know, just being a teenager, you take what you can get in terms of a job. I'd say there are two that are pretty much equal. One would be working at 7-Eleven. Um, you know what, this one no no no, this one's worse than the other one on second thought, because the biggest concern was safety. Um, there was no panic button in 7-Eleven, and I did, you know, third shift. I did overnight. And one, the money sucked. Two, the people were rude. And three, I just felt unsafe. And it was unsafe to the point where this lady I worked with, like, carried her gun and with her to work and, like, put it on top of the cash register. Like, it's not a safe environment, especially when you look at, you know, geographically, this is not the best neighborhood. And, you know, when you can hear the gunshots, like, two streets away from work and, like, the police are always flying by. Like, to tell you how bad it was, we gave the police, like, free everything in the hopes that if we ever called, they'd get there quick because they'd like the, the, you know, because they like us, you know, because we give them free things. Like, this was a dangerous environment. I also want to throw Waffle House in there, too, because I got, we got robbed working Waffle House. And I just want to say, like, I was never in any danger. Like, I was in my manager's back office. And by the time everything was over, like, you know, it was over. And we hadn't even realized really what had happened. We just heard you know, the girl up front kind of squeal, I guess, when the guy had, like, pulled his gun. Um, My manager kind of, I don't know, it just wasn't, like, a really reassuring thing. I remember looking at my boss and going, oh, my gosh, like, I can't believe this happened. And she goes, oh, we're used to it by now. And I kind of took a step back and I was like, used to it by now? Holy crap. Uh, it turns out it was one of the waitresses that worked there, you know, his boyfriend. I was a server there as well. Um... Some other stuff happened, but I mean, that's just the kind of job college students fall into, you know, I really wish people would think more about that. You know, when they see young people working minimum wage, anything, you know, this is obviously not where we want to be in life. We don't want to be working for minimum wage. Like that's not the vibe anybody wants, especially like, you never know. We could be college students. We could be working parents. Like, the way people treat minimum wage workers, I just don't understand. I tell everybody, do not care around me. I'm going to say some shit. And that is really true. Like, I have my mom's crazy, my dad's pettiness. And I don't say that as, like, a fun little – I mean, no, I mean it. Like, genetics are a bitch, and I have inherited both. Like, my mom's not, like, ooh, like a little kooky at Thanksgiving. Like, she's two trips to the psych ward crazy, and my dad, bless his heart, is just as petty as it comes. Like, he may forgive you, but he's never going to forget. And by God, the man hasn't been to Taco Bell in 10 years because one location wronged him 10 years ago. And he has just always, he's just never gotten past it. And it just says what it is. And it just angers the shit out of me. Like, you never know what this person is going through. You never know why that mistake was, you know, just be kind to people. How hard is it to show basic human kindness? I I don't understand. It's not how I was raised to treat people like that. 
Like I was at a McDonald's not long ago and this lady was like banging on the plexiglass, hanging up front and screaming at people. Meanwhile, these McDonald's employees are busting their ass. It is busy as shit. It is Saturday at, you know, lunch rush, like, and she wants her food now. I walked up to her and I was like, ma'am, if you wanted your food quicker, you would have gone through the drive-thru. All of us are standing in here because we don't mind the wait. We have nothing going on. That's kind of the point of a McDonald's. Like, it's called a drive-thru. And she got embarrassed and she left. And I'm sitting there with my friends and I'm like, holy fucking shit, did this bitch really just do this? She comes back in. She has the gall and the audacity to try to apologize to me. I just looked at her and I was like, ma'am, I said, I'm the wrong one to apologize to because I will find you I will find your address, your social security number. I will find the dog your grandma had when you were in the sixth grade. And I will report all of that shit to your employer. Because rest assured, she had her little, like, you know, the little name tag badge thing from work. And I was like, ma'am, I'm half tempted to go. She worked for, like, the educational district thing for my city. And I was like, I'm half tempted to, like, find your boss's email and report. This is unacceptable behavior. And she left. And a part of me feels great about that. And the other part knows that I probably shouldn't have gotten into her. Into it with her at McDonald's, but hey, I'm a Gemini and I'm going to blame it on that. This question doesn't have like any name or city for reference. You know, I wish it did because I really enjoy seeing who sends what. But the question is, you mentioned once you were in speech therapy. How did that come about? Um, I just stutter. Um, I still do sometimes, like especially if I'm nervous or really tired or upset or just anytime there's any overabundance of emotion in me. Like, I really struggle with it. And if you really listen to me throughout the podcast, like, you'll hear me do it. I'm pretty sleek with the editing, but I can't always just cut that out. But yeah, so as a kid, it was really, really bad. I had social anxiety. I had, you know, all kinds of other things going on. My parents put me in speech therapy. And yeah, um, unfortunately, they couldn't hear my gay ass accent but other than that yeah i mean i think i probably did it for like i don't know like a school year like they pulled me out of something else to do it and i forget what they pulled me out of but i mean i don't remember much about it to be honest like i just yeah i hope that answers your question (laughs) this question says hey love the podcast what's the best gift you've ever been given I would have to say it's a shirt, and let me tell you why it was so great. So my stepmom, first of all, amazing. And she's not technically my stepmom yet, but I'm counting down the days. It'll happen one day. I have full faith and confidence in that. Um, You know, she moved from Kentucky to Virginia to move in with my dad. And, you know, she's just become – I've become really close with her as well. So here's the thing. Last summer, I wasn't the best about wearing some sunscreen and got some pretty bad burns. Um, And the joke started that I was Mr. Golden Beautiful. Well, she bought me this shirt for Christmas. And I don't know where she got it because I want another one because the glitter has come off. But it said Mr. GB, Mr. Golden Beautiful. And um, it had these black letters. It's this yellow shirt with these black letters. And unfortunately, most of the glitter has come off the letters. But I mean, it's just most gifts... In my experience, you know, not that anybody means anything bad. It's just, you know, it's just a gift you give. A kid wants something, they put it on their list, and you buy it for them. I really didn't want anything that Christmas. Like, we'd all kind of been through a lot. And it really, I was almost in tears at, like, the thoughtfulness of this. Because, like, I don't, I don't get that a lot. Like, 
somebody took the time to realize that you know this this would mean something to me and they did that and i and it didn't really cost much i don't think it's just oh it's it's not even the oh i can't even put it into words it's just so great okay so let's take a minute to talk about anchor it is not easy by any stretch of the imagination to make and produce a podcast, especially when you're doing it all on your own like I am. So here's the thing. If you want to do it yourself or you're having a hard time doing it with the one you're doing right now, download Anchor. It is so easy and it's so free. And there are so many incredible tools they have to offer. It's just amazing. They have a library of sound bites, sound effects, music. I mean, Everything that was such a struggle before is now just a breeze. I also love their informational demographics, which show you, I mean, things like what countries your podcast is predominantly listened to in, what gender, what age range, how long they listen to it, where they stop listening to it. They have helpful advice for improving your podcast and marketing strategies to help you really make the most of your podcast. So download Anchor and give it a try today. Uh, Candy wants to know what the last text message I sent was. Um, it's not a text message, but it's the last message I sent to my best friend. And I said, stop looking at me, you ugly bitch. And that sounds bad. That sounds like I abused my best friend who I've tried to get onto the podcast and she doesn't want to come on. It is what it is. Um, we have a borderline like sibling relationship and we, she's fine. She holds her own. In fact, I am nowhere near as bad as her. I fear her. I respect her within an inch of my life because if she ever wanted to, she would take me out. And it is what it is. So this question comes from James. And I want to be really careful about how I answer this because this isn't something I'm going to read totally on the pod because I don't think it was meant to be. I think it was just something that he wanted me to respond to on Anchor, you know, just between him and I. But it's something I want to address because it's a topic that I've covered on previous episodes of previous episodes of the podcast, but, you know, those episodes no longer exist. They were taken down. So the gist of what he sent was talking about mending relationships with family and, you know, how hard that has been so far for him. And I just want to get personal for a minute. So let's take a, let's take a look at the relationship I have with my father. Um, and I want to be careful about how I phrase this because my father listens to the podcast. My father's an amazing man. My father... I give him so much credit for the fact that I turned out to be a semi-normal human being. Um, He is loving, supportive, and he's always been these things, but there was a long time where we didn't communicate. And what do I mean when I say we didn't communicate? Well, there's a difference between, you know, talking and communicating. You know, we were still talking. I mean, hi, how are you? How's your day? Good morning, good night, I love you. Like that sort of a thing. But there's such a big difference between talking and effectively communicating. There were things inside our household that made it so hard for us to communicate. I guess we just stopped somewhere along the way. And I'd say eight months, maybe a year ago, I've kind of lost track now. You know, there was just this sort of come to Jesus meeting where we had to communicate. And I look at what our relationship looks like right now, and there's so much more trust in that. And that was hard at first. You know, I got so used to keeping everything to myself and trying to deal with problems before they ever got to him. It's amazing the progress we've made 
together, but that required so much work. It required being willing to just let some stuff go. So what I'll say to you is if you want to mend these relationships, you're going to have to be willing to let some stuff go. You know, my relationship with my father still isn't perfect, but I would take what we have right now over what we had a year ago any day. You know, we've always loved each other, but it's just such a better relationship now. Like I can call him now and have a conversation, just regular, you know, hi, how's your day? And I feel comfortable doing that. Where as opposed to a year ago, I probably wouldn't have done that. So yeah, you really have to weigh how important it is to mend this relationship versus how important it is for you to sit there and hold a grudge, you know? I hope that helps. So this message is from Carrie from Idaho. And Carrie says, hello there, love the pod. You and your friends are so funny, OMG. My child has been dealing with cyberbullying, and I've heard it mentioned on the podcast. I was hoping that you could help me work on some ways to prevent cyberbullying, especially where my child is concerned. Wow. Okay, so here's my thing. One, I wish you had included a little bit more information. You know, how old is your kid? How old are you? What form is the cyberbullying taking? Um, I guess I'll just talk about my own experience with cyberbullying. So it happened a lot to me as a kid, especially like middle school. Like that was really when social media started taking over in my life um, because the bullying was one thing in school. Where it gets bad though is when the bullying doesn't stop. There's no barrier between school and home. These people now had access and reach to me within the four walls of my bedroom. I felt so unsafe. I felt so alone. I felt so just sad all the time. At one point there was a Facebook group telling me to kill myself. There was there was a lot happening. So what I'll say is please do your best to educate yourself on social media. I understand that age gaps can be a serious thing. Like my father just downloaded Snapchat and he he knows how to send a message on there and that's about it. Um, my father just got TikTok. Like older people in my family, you know, there's just a gap in the knowledge of technology. And I would say taking steps to educate yourself on how it works is just the biggest thing you can do. Obviously, I would hope at this point that you would have gone to the school, but I, I recognize even from my own experience, there's very little that a school can do when this stuff isn't taking place inside of the school. Of course, I'm sure the school could put you in contact with the parents, but if the parents aren't willing to do anything, it, it's incredibly hard. Um, I wish there were more laws that protected people from cyberbullying. I really do, but there aren't a whole lot of them. I'd say there really need to be some serious conversations had about safety on the internet and setting up boundaries on the internet. Like maybe your child doesn't need to have every form of social media under the sun. Maybe they need a break from social media. And that can be hard too, because your child could feel like you're punishing them for being bullied. And that that is not the case. Please make sure they don't feel like that's the case, but some separation is probably needed but really have some honest conversations with your child about, you know, when did this start? Who were these people? Um, you know, talk to your son's principal or your child's principal with them there in the room. That way you make sure your child is being heard. And that's really, to my knowledge, all you can do. You're also talking to a 21 year old guy on the internet. Um, there's only so 
how much advice I can give you. But yeah, really take steps to educate yourself on the way social media works. And I think that's going to improve a lot. So now we're diving into my Instagram DMs. So this person says, and this is a, this is a personal friend, so I'm not going to put their stuff out on the internet. I just don't feel the need to. Um, this person says, we know you love music. What are some of the songs you've listened to most recently? So I have this playlist I call Main Character Vibes. Um, maybe I should make that public for you guys to listen to it. But um, like as I find new music I like, I tend to just add it. So let's see. Um, Dry Spell by Jordy. Uh, Desire by Years and Years and Tovlo, which did everyone just collectively forget about Tovlo? Anyway, I love her so much. Um, Light by Love, Greta Van Fleet, good. Just amazing band that I'm getting into. Um, Social Stamina by Rosie. Uh, Losing My Religion by Bell Saint. It's a cover of Losing My Religion by R.E.M. It's really cool and you should take a listen to it. Flightless Bird, American Mouth by Iron Wine. Flowers, Lauren Spencer Smith. You should definitely take a listen to that. AM Radio by the Lumineers, Dandelions, Ruth B. Uh, let's see. So that's the main character vibes. I have a couple other playlists, though, and I kind of cycle through. So I have a Yeehaw playlist. Let's see if – have I really listened to anything on this recently? Because I here's the thing. I don't ever just, like, search up random songs. Like, sometimes I will. But if I'm listening to music, I'm just cycling through my playlist, if that makes any sense. So uh, Hair Salon, Megan Maroney, I listen to that a lot. Um, oh, I love Trixie Mattel and her music. You should check out Gold by Trixie Mattel. It'll match your heart. Um, let's see. Lots of Stevie Wonder. My favorite album is Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. So totally check that out if you get the chance. Let's see. Guilty Pleasures playlist. Oh, what is in? Okay, so I haven't listened to my Guilty Pleasures playlist in a minute. What's in here? Um, Celine Dion. Oh, we don't need to go through all this. This is embarrassing. I will say It's All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion is number one on the playlist. Let's see. Uh, ooh, okay, so I have a playlist called High with Rue Bennett. Um, that's lots of The Weeknd, lots of Labyrinth, Girl in Red, The Neighborhood, lots of Tovlo. Jesus, lots of Tovlo. Billie Eilish, Aura, Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, that's all in there. Ooh, where's my R&B playlist? Okay, so if you need to know anything about me, please know that I have a real soft spot in my heart for early 2000s and late 90s R&B. Keisha Cole, Jasmine Sullivan, Jennifer Hudson, uh, Mariah Carey, Jordan Sparks. Ooh, K. Michelle. Okay, so hold on. Let me talk about this. Okay, so there's this song called Can't Raise a Man by K. Michelle. And that is me and my friend's song. We listen to it in the car. And just you should listen to it because it's just a vibe. Um, my best friend kind of got me into R&B. It wasn't something I grew up listening to. But, I mean, Can't Raise a Man – uh, I believe that is her mother's song for when she's angry at her father. So, yeah. So, yeah, if you need to know what kind of music I like, I listen to everything. Those are some, That's some songs I've been listening to lately. What else is in here? Anything else? Uh, Latin Spice. Ooh, I do have a Latin Spice playlist. There's lots of Shakira, J-Lo. Illegal. Carlos Santana's listening to that this morning. Uh, thought. Okay, I have, a, I have a playlist called Thought Shit. Um... What have I listened to recently? See, Hot Girl Summer, Barbie Dreams, 23 by Mike Will Made It and Miley Cyrus for some reason. I don't know. I know it's like a 2013 song, but I have been playing that recently. Um, Hurricane, Kanye West, not to give him any more attention, but that is a decent song. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Anything else in here? Any more playlists? Uh, we don't need to go through my 2000s Disney Channel throwbacks. 
Okay, so <laughs> last thing I'll talk about. There's a playlist called Music Matt Cries to and Strangers by Nature by Adele. If you haven't listened to that song, it's a vibe, and you should check it out. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, my Time Machine playlist. Okay, this is like anything earlier than the 90s I put in here. Um, let's see what I've listened to. Oh, All I Have, J-Lo, LL Cool J, great song. Friday I'm in Love by The Cure. Love's in Need of Love Today, Stevie Wonder. Listened to that yesterday. Lots of Janet Jackson. Yeah. Okay, so those are the songs I've listened to recently. Thank you for the question. This next DM asks, what's your favorite movie? Love you, honey. First of all, love you. Um, I don't know this person. I'm assuming, I don't know how they found my Instagram, but I'm glad they did. Um, so The Perks Being a Wallflower is probably my favorite movie. Which, like, for the cast alone, it's just amazing because you have Logan Lerman, Emma Watson, and Ezra Miller, just three great actors. Plus, you have, uh, oh my god, Kate, what's her name? She played uh, Meredith's husband's ex-wife on Grey's Anatomy, and she was Hannah's mom on 13 Reasons Why. God, I'm forgetting her name. But anyway, um, yeah, that movie's great. It's about Charlie, who struggles with severe social anxiety, and just the things that happened to him, and talking about why he is the way that he is and it goes really in depth where mental health is concerned and I really appreciate that um it's not uh it's not a movie per se but I do love Euphoria I've been watching that and here's what I'll say one thing that bugs me about Euphoria is I wish these characters were college age like in college like they're the actors are old enough to portray college people like the fact that these kids are high school, like, I understand they're going for reality and what high school's actually like, but this isn't what high school's like for everyone. This is a very niche thing. I really appreciate, as someone who grew up in a house where drug addiction was a thing, I really appreciate how honest they are about drug addiction and sexual assault and all the things they cover and talk about. But I also realize and recognize that because these characters are, like, in high school, it attracts high school age people to watch it. And I'm just not sure that high schoolers should be watching this. I definitely think that's an 18-year-old and up show. So just my opinion on that. Sandra asks, what's the last book you read? Which, again, I'm not sure this person found my Instagram. Um, I know a lot of people find it and just follow me through the podcast, which is lovely. I'm starting to realize how many people actually have found my Instagram now. Um, the last book I read would have been A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. And, like, when I see read, I mean, like, read all the way through, like, an actual physical book. I do use Audible quite a bit, so there is that. Um, Discovery of Witches is really good and worth your time. I'd say the show might be a bit better because the book kind of takes a while to, like, really hit the gas and, like, get really, really interesting. Another one I read was Sufficiently Advanced Magic, which was um, Andrew, I forget his last name. Yeah, so that was, ooh, ooh, um, what's it called? Uh, Goddess Inheritance. That was really good, too. I think that was Amy Carter, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, those are the last couple books I read. Um, I'm about to start where the crawdads thing. I just haven't gotten around to it. But, like, I had that all queued up on Audible. Which, first of all, let's talk about Audible. So, I am, I'm, like... I used to be, like, a big, like, Barnes & Noble, like, buy a book person, but, like, with my ADHD and college and everything, I really don't have much time to sit down and read, but I do drive a lot, whether that's door dashing to make some extra money or anything like that. So, 
Audible is really handy, especially because, you know, I go to college two hours away from home and I drive back and forth a lot or if I'm driving to Kentucky to go see my grandma. So I definitely use Audible a lot more than I actually like read, read. So if we're including Audible, let's take a look at some of the, some of the things I've listened to on Audible recently. Um, A Court of Thorns and Roses, not my vibe. I did stop halfway through. Uh, Suck Less, Where There's a Woman With His Way. Um, that is an autobiography of a drag queen named Will and Belli that I just love. Let's see. What else we have? What else we have? What else we have? Audible's being so, so slow. Um, the Fell of Dark, Caleb Roaring. Red, White, and Royal Blue, Casey McQuiston. The Shack, William P. Young. Let's see. What else did I read? I read Wolf Song by T.J. Klune. And The House in the Cerulean Sea. Those are the most recent ones. Ooh, and The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Yeah, those are the, probably the most recent ones. I did listen to Reverie by Ryan LaSala a couple weeks ago. And speaking of DMs, okay, so, you know, celebrities. Like, sometimes you DM them and you never hear back. I wouldn't say Ryan LaSala is, like, a celebrity. But as far as, like, semi-famous person interactions, I really couldn't have had a better experience with Ryan LaSala. Um, one of my friends is a really, really big fan of Ryan LaSala. And I sort of DM'd him on Twitter and I was like, Hey, like my friend, you know, was diagnosed with cancer a couple months ago and she's a really big fan. And I was searching for copies of your book, you know, autographed. And I was just wondering, are they for sale anywhere? Like, where can I find them? And he was really, really, really nice. Uh, let me go to Twitter and see what he said. Hold one memento, uno memento, Ryan. La Sala. Hold on, let's see what he said. We had a really interesting conversation. Um, let's see. Oh, I asked other questions apparently too. Okay, so here's what I said. I was like, you know, obviously I said all that. I was like, hey, like my friend, you know, I really want to get rid of this book. And then I started asking questions about the book. And I was like, me and my friend read it together, we're absolutely obsessed. But after reading the book, we were left with a couple of questions if you have a moment. What inspired you to write these specific reveries? After Maxine and her girlfriend were reunited in the reverie, what happened? Did they effectively die when the group left the reverie, or did they keep living inside of it? And finally, will there be a possibility for a sequel? If you see this, thank you so much. Me and my friend are huge fans. And he goes, hi, Matt. I'm so glad you and your friend enjoyed reverie. A few answers for you. The reveries are pulled from vibes I've always wanted to see queer characters and hyper-femme characters remaster. Like Indiana Jones used to scare the shit out of me, and all I ever wanted was for the sacrificial damsel to break her own chains and fight back, like Adeline does in the first reverie, and so on. I always started with a familiar story, a temple, a regency romance, a dystopian, and twisted from there. And usually it was all an excuse to put Ursula in increasingly large gowns for wrestling monsters. Maxine and Helena survived the entire ordeal. Kane ushers them back into reality proper. Therefore, Reverie is one of the only books with more lesbians alive at the end than dead. Lastly, I can't speak to any plans yet, but what I can say is there's a lot more to the story, and hopefully if Reverie accrues enough notoriety, I'll get to tell it all. Um, he does say, if there is another book, it might just be a prequel. I get the most questions about Dean and Posey's origins. I said, that would be amazing. I can't wait to hear more about this. And he goes into detail about where I can find these books. And, you know, a couple weeks later, I was like, hey, these are all sold out. And he writes back, he goes, I'm so sorry to hear these are all sold out. And I hate when my fans can't get these things. When I put so much work and effort into doing it, I'll tell you what, give me your friend's address and I will personally send them a signed copy of Reverie. Ryan LaSala went out of his way to do that. And a couple of days ago, I got a call from my friend telling me that the book 
came and there was a note inside and I mean, as far as like celebrity interactions, like again, Ryan Sala, like Ryan Lasala isn't like a celebrity, but I mean, he does have a following. Like, I mean, just how nice is that? You know, like for someone in that position to be an actual human being, and they're so sweet. Like, follow him on Twitter; he's amazing. He has a really good book called The Honeys. Like, please check him out. I'm so sorry. Speaking of celebrity tweets, I have. Oh my gosh, so I just hit tweets and replies on my own thing. Well, I didn't. My friend did, looking for anything else, because he doesn't want to be... Are you sure he doesn't want to be on pod? Okay, well, anyway. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting here, and I'm looking when he handed me my phone, and I'm like, holy shit, there are DMs I have never responded. Not DMs, they're like the replies underneath my tweets from, like, decently famous people. Hold on. So, April 29th, I posted... Uh, I must have been watching... Uh, Hannah Montana on Disney Plus, but I said, so did we all forget about the episode of Hannah Montana where Miley hires an escort? The amount of shit like this in older children's TV shows is just mind-boggling. Is shit like this the reason I am the way I am? Because if it is, I'm okay with that. Underneath my tweet, Disney Plus replies, and what about it? Question mark, winky face. I am, I am dead. Uh, let's see. Elon Musk liked one of my tweets underneath his. He said, next time buying Coca-Cola to put the cocaine back in. And I said, please don't, my heart can't take it. He liked it. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Ooh, Blood of Zeus. Okay. So I've tweeted back and forth with the creators of Blood of Zeus a couple of times. It's the Parla Panadis brother. I can't pronounce their name. I feel so, so bad. But they wrote an amazing show and animated it on Netflix called Blood of Zeus. And if you're into Greek mythology, I highly recommend it. And so we've had a couple reactions. And to be honest, I never knew that they wrote back. And I said, hey, are we getting season two? They, apparently they saw it. And they were like, yes, yes, you're getting season two. Um, ooh, hold on. Before we get to the second tweet, uh, Chick-fil-A responded to one of my tweets. I said, where do I sign up for conversion therapy at Chick-fil-A? I'm ready. Hashtag just another day in this homosexual prison. And <laughs> they sent a whole tweet about how they no longer um, support conversion therapy and they want support from the LGBT community. That's fun and fresh. Um, Where's the second tweet from them? We were just looking at it. Oh, but anyway, so let's see what else we got. Halle Berry liked one of my tweets. I said, did Halle Berry lose a child in her movie? If not, I ain't watching it. I need that kid absent for it to hit. Uh, She liked it. That's fun and fresh. Um, Trixie Mattel and Katya, liked and responded to my tweet. I said, actress Mattel and act Katya Zamo really had me out here watching what we do in the shadows. These whores better not be wrong about this. Hashtag the bald and beautiful. And at Trixie Mattel responds, have I ever been wrong before, darling? I mean, what is my life? I mean, what is this? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, ooh. Uh, ooh, I can't read that on here. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. What else do we have going on? Uh, okay, so here was the tweet that I was talking about from <laughs> the Blood of Zeus people, and I can't, they're, they're two brothers, they did Castlevania too, but I didn't see their response to the first tweet, so I tweeted this, I said, at Blood of Zeus, is this the point where I start harassing powerhouse anime on Netflix for a season two release date? And he, the, I mean, the Blood of Zeus official page from the guy says, haha, sorry, but that made me laugh out loud. We feel your pain, believe me. The truth is that animation is a long process, and what gets announced is when is above our pay grade. I wish I had a better answer for you. I love that you love the show, and we should know more soon. I mean, I love when people just take the time to be human and just (laughs) respond to people. I mean, that's lovely. Uh, What else do we have? Is there anything else on here? 
Wait, where? Oh, MTV liked my shit. That's cool. That's lovely. See, we got some lions. I haven't looked through my Twitter in so long. Twitter is honestly not the best place for my mental health. Oh, Tate Hoskins. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a TikToker, and he does OnlyFans, which I don't subscribe to that, but I love that journey for him. He says, hi, boyfriend. I said, no, nah, you don't want me a toxic. And he replies, I love the toxic ones. Let's see. Colton Haynes. He, oh, he just liked it. But he said, movie recommendations for A Lonely Gay Soul. I said, try Book Smart or um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And he liked it. Love that for me. Uh, here's my whole fight over Nicki Minaj. But we're not going to get into that right now. Carla wants to know one musical artist that doesn't get the flowers they deserve. I'm going to say Lord, and I'm so sorry for my previous question where I went on a whole tangent down my Twitter. This is why I can't do it by myself, but anyway, I'm going to say Lord. Um, people really, she put out one album that people didn't love as much, and all of a sudden people are like shitting on her. Solar Power was just a different vibe than the album she's done before. It was definitely a departure from Melodrama, which Melodrama's one of my favorite albums. It's probably number, number two underneath Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life album. But I mean, Solar Power was a departure. Like, it did not sound like pure heroin or melodrama. And people were so offended. And speaking of tweets, I have a tweet right here from like the 20th of August, 2021. And I said, look at people giving at Lord hate because Solar Power isn't like her other projects. Clown emoji. That being said, this might be an album that I have to listen to a few times before I decide how I feel about it. Stone at the Nail Salon is the lyrical masterpiece, though. Hashtag Solar Power. And, you know, you see people fighting in my comments about it. And, yeah, I definitely don't think Lord gets the cut. Like, like, she covered Nirvana, like, with the Nirvana band for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, Lord is probably one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And here's the thing. I feel kind of the same about her and Taylor Swift. Except for, like, Taylor Swift gets her flowers. Trust me, her fan base is rabid. But lyrically, these are probably some of the most talented people in Hollywood right now. Like, they're, when you read their lyrics, it looks like actual poetry. And they're not the best singers. They, they aren't the best in terms of stage performance. But you go because they wrote their own stuff and they take you through this journey of, like, you know, just, I don't really know how to describe it. Like, Taylor Swift says she's, Taylor Swift often says she is as successful as she is because she works hard, she writes her own shit, and she's nice to people. And I really think these two are successful because of that. I mean, Lord won God knows how many Grammys for melodrama. Wait, did she actually win a Grammy for melodrama? No, no, no. No, Matthew, calm down. Sorry, I was about to go through a whole other tangent googling how many Grammys Lord has. I know she got one for Pure Heroin. I think she got, hold on, I can't hold myself, hold on. Did the Lord win, the, did the Lord, did, do you know? Okay, hold on, we're Googling. Did the Lord win a Grammy for melodrama? Melodrama received widespread acclaim from contemporary critics and featured a various year-end and decade-end list. It won... New Zealand Music Award for Album of the Year and received a nomination of Album of the Year at 60th Annual Grammy Awards in 2018. It didn't win any Grammys. Who won? Bruno Mars. What? Oh, fuck. Okay, I'm not saying Bruno, Bruno Mars isn't talented, but, like, his album was not better than Melodrama. I know that's, you know... 
Lord Solar Power has won Best Song in the World at Band Lab Enemy Awards 2022. The title track of New Zealand pop star's latest album, Solar Power, beat out nine other nominated songs by the likes of Olivia, Rod- Olivia Rodrigo, The Kid Leroy, BTS, and more. Good for Lord. Uh, someone named Naomi wants to know what my dating life is like. Um, here's the thing. Uh, dating is hard in your 20s regardless. Dating when you're gay is a whole different thing. And I like to tell people when they ask, I'm like, look at it this way. One in 10 men is gay. I think that number's a little higher in 2022 or, you know, I think it's more like whatever. Let's just assume one in 10 men is gay. Half of those men are going to find me attractive, and I'm going to find about a quarter of that half attractive in return. Now, you break it up by, like, who's in what city and how far away they are and age differences and things like that, and dating becomes pretty hard. So there's that. I live in Norfolk, Virginia, which is, you know, which holds and contains the nation's largest naval base. So a lot of the dudes I go out with tend to be in the Navy or the Army or the Air Force. We have all kinds of bases nearby. Um, and I really struggle with just that being my majority dating pool because here's the thing when you're stationed somewhere else, and this is kind of what I've learned from dating military people, you can create an entire new persona or like life when you're stationed somewhere else away from your people. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think reinventing yourself is always good. But I've gone out with guys who tell me like, oh, like I'm single, I'm ready to date. Turns out they're married. And there's no way for me to know that. Like I can't, I can't cyber stalk them and find this information right off the bat until I get to know them more. So it's really, really tricky, especially when you're gay. Because like a lot of these guys come from really small towns where it's, not safe to be who they are. Maybe they got married to a woman because they felt like they needed to do that. Like it's, I literally left a date one time because halfway through a dude's wife called him and he was like, Oh my God. Like she saw my location. Like she wants to know why I'm here. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, dude, like respect me and my time. Like if you're going to do it, at least be honest and say, Hey, I'm married. Like, you know, have the common decency because there's someone out there that's going to go out with you regardless. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying it's the case. Like somebody will always respond to something. Um, I also sort of struggle with, and I think I've talked about this, you know, people are ready to date in different stages. Like because I'm ready to date doesn't mean that every single person that swipes on me is going to be ready for that. Some people are looking for a good time. Some people are looking for friends. Some people are just looking to look like, So dating online is hard for me. And I think straight people don't necessarily always realize how easy they have it because a lot of times people are like, oh, just go to a bar and meet people in person. And it's like, no, I don't always have that option. I can go to a gay bar, sure, but that's not really my vibe. But sometimes I'll go. I used to work at one. But as a straight person, you as a man can walk into a bar and and hit on a woman, you know, appropriately, of course. And not worry about being hate-crimed. Whereas if I were to walk into just any old bar and hit on a guy, there's a decent chance I might get punched in the face. So there's that to consider. And my dating life right now is kind of non-existent. I've kind of taken a break. You know, I'm tired of going out on a couple dates just for someone to decide they're not ready for it and they just want to poke up and have sex or they want to 
be in their hoe phase or come to find out they're married. Like I just, I've had a rough time in it recently and it's just hard. Like the other day, my boss tried setting me up with somebody and, you know, he seemed like a nice guy and we flirted for a little bit. Come to getting a text message him saying, hey, just want to be friends. And I get bitter sometimes because I'm like, why is it always me that gets the just want to be friends thing? And one of my friends kind of put it into perspective. She's like, you're too available. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, are you calling me desperate? And she's like, no, I'm not calling you desperate. I'm saying you're too available. She's like, people don't want what's easy. She's like, people want what they can't get. And she's like, maybe next time you're in this position, you know, she's like, I'm not saying be a bitch, but she's like, try playing hard to get or not being so emotionally accessible. And I think maybe there's something to that. So that's kind of my answer to that question right now. So last question uh, one of my friends writes in asking me how I feel about people having OnlyFans. And I'm not going to put too much time on this because the podcast is dragged on long enough, but here's what I want to say. I don't care. Sex work is work. I don't care. If people are willing to pay for it, put it out. It's not like doing mainstream studio porn where you don't own it and you can't take it down if you're ready to apply for a corporate job and they're going to run background checks. Like, if you have to do it to make money because that's the situation you're in, go for it. If you want to do it for fun as a creative outlet, go for it. I think people forget just because it's OnlyFans doesn't mean it's porn. Like, it was created for content creators as, like, an alternative to Patreon. So just because someone has OnlyFans doesn't mean they're a sex worker. That being said, if you are, as long as you're being safe about it and you feel okay with it and there's no pressure to do it, Honestly, go for it. If I had the body for porn, you best believe I would be raking in the dough from OnlyFans. I just do not have that self-confidence. But I also don't care. And what do I mean when I don't care? Like, I I do not care, especially today. 19 students are dead in an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. And I just don't have any need to care right now about people doing this or people doing that because – why are we as a nation still having this problem? It is so incredibly disheartening to know that the Republican Party is attacking abortion, but creating laws that do so much damage or take away the lives of the kids they fought so hard to be born against the mother's will. I don't understand where we are right now. And the saddest thing of all is it's not even shocking anymore when something like this comes across the screen. As a nation and as a society, we're numb to it. And then we get upset when other countries laugh at us or judge us for this stuff. But I just, I just, I don't have any, any energy left in me to sit and talk with OnlyFans. Like, I've been following this since it came out. And I just don't get it. Like, why is this happening? You know, this wasn't happening 40, 50 years ago. So what generationally has changed? And I think it's a combination of things. I think it's the internet. I think it's, I think it's social media. I, I don't know, but there has to be some solution. And people are quick to point out like, oh, but there's stabbings in other countries where guns are much more limited or just flat out inaccessible. And yeah, sure, we have stabbings here too. If people want to hurt somebody, they're going to do it regardless. That being said, you very, very rarely hear stories in other countries about mass shootings. You just don't. School shootings, I think there's like one or two per year in most other developed nations. This is insane. We're almost at 300 school shootings this year. 
that's not even an exaggeration. It's 200 and something. You can Google it and see how many we've had. And of course, there'd be people that break it down and quantify and say, well, what qualifies as a school shooting? I don't care. The fact that we've had any at all is a problem. The fact that 19 elementary school children are dead in Texas isn't just a problem, it's a crisis. And we should all be sitting here and examining why this is the way it is. There are people here saying they're gonna take our guns. Well, realistically, that's never happening. I wish we lived in a world where nobody had guns. Personally, that would be my best result. I think guns are unnecessary, you know, but here we are. You can't take them away from cops and leave gangs with them. Like, I understand all the politics behind that. I'm not saying I don't, but children are the victims of this now. But also, I think we need to blame the media. The media is making these people famous, these shooters famous, and they're doing it less so now, but... I remember that movie theater shooting, and I think it was like a Batman movie, and the guy went in and there was someone, his face was everywhere. He became so famous off of that. I don't think we should be doing that. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because I just, I don't know, like, this is really sitting in a weird place in my sort of spectrum of mental health right now. Like, I just, I don't know. I think I'm coming to a place where thoughts and prayers just aren't enough, you know? And I feel so terrible for the parents of these children. Well, girlies, well, gays, well, theys, this is the end of the podcast episode. What did you think? I was by myself today. Well, kind of. I mean, there's my friend in the background just doing his thing. But I mean, this is the first one I've done where I'm by myself. And I was so nervous to come in and do this. But I'm actually feeling much more confident now. I might try to make this a regular thing but i hope all of you are doing well you know as a nation and as a world we got some pretty disturbing news today and a week ago and a month ago and shootings like this and incidents like this are sadly more commonplace than they need to be and i just i wish the best for these families i mean there's thoughts and prayers aren't enough to cut it but i hope something someday is for them that being said you guys can follow me on Instagram at lax.micky. Um, please follow and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it. I hope everyone has a beautiful day, night, or whatever time of day it is. And if you're driving, pay attention to the road, bitch.